today we are finishing up the book of Deuteronomy in our Bible reading plan. And as we were going through the Bible reading plan, I wasn't planning on preaching on this, but as we were going through the plan and I came across this passage, it just really, it really stuck with me. And, and I feel like it's something that, that, that God wants us to get, some, a, a part of his heart that he wants us to get and be moved on to his agenda when it comes to how we treat the poor. So here's where we're going this morning. God generously cares for the poor, and he expects his people to do the same. So we must keep our hearts compassionate towards them and our hands open to them. Amen? So Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't, I got it up on the screen. Um, if, if you all would stand with me for the reading of God's word. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. And take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cried against you and and you be and you be guilty of sin you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this the lord your god will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake for the for there will never cease to be poor in the land therefore i command you you shall open wide your hand to your brother to the needy and to the poor in your land. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is beautiful because what we see here in the Old Testament is we see the heart of God making provision for those who are experiencing poverty, those who are experiencing lack of resource, those who are experiencing the brokenness of this world that we live in. We live in a fallen world after Genesis after mankind let sin into the world, much of creation has experienced, all of creation has been affected by the sin of humanity. And we experience one of the, the aspects of the brokenness that we experience is poverty. And it's an issue. And so, first of all, we see God's heart here to care for, to make provision for those who experience poverty in this text, and this was this is Old Testament. This is referring to the Israelites, and and in that specific context, and it specifically says if one of your brothers should become poor. So it's speaking about within the Israelite community that there should be provisions made for a brother or sister who ex, who falls into poverty. Actually, verse four in Deuteronomy 15. It actually after God makes these. Um, provisions of uh, the year, the Sabbath year, He's, he makes this statement in verse 4. He says, there shall be no poor among you. Verse 4 tells us there's, there should be no poor among you. So, so God kind of sets up an ideal situation that if the Israelites lived with radical generosity and they followed the instructions of the Torah, that there would be long-term alleviation of poverty within their community. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that there won't be a brother or sister who falls into that experience, who experiences that. 
And later, we're going to look at some of the causes for the issue of poverty, because poverty is a very complex issue. And I think it's, it's important that we don't go at it thinking that it's one size fits all. It's one issue for everybody. It's very, it's very complex. And several years ago, I was influenced by a book, Tim Keller, called Generous Justice. And as I was introduced to some of the concepts presented in that book, I was challenged by how I view those who are experiencing injustice and poverty and brokenness in this world and how I should respond to them. So so let's just first of all look at some of the provisions here. So God cares for the poor and he expects his people to do so. So Deuteronomy 15, God sets up this... Um, instruction for the israelites where he says that at the end of every seven years you shall grant release and this is the manner of release every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor and he shall not exact it his brother because the lord's release is proclaimed so this is a really cool setup here so every seven years god god told the israelites to just like forgive people of their debt okay forgive debt how many of y'all have ever experienced debt Debt can put pressure on your soul that can squeeze the life out of you and make life really difficult for you. The Bible instructs us to stay away from it. If, if you can, stay away from it. Stay away from it. Okay? But isn't this pretty cool? If, if, if you were swamped with debt and overtaken by debt, and you're struggling month to month, week to week, even day to day to pay the bills, and you're just trying to make it for you and your family... And then God establishes this instruction, this law, where every seven years you'll get released of that debt. How's that sound? W- wouldn't that just be refreshing and relieving and like, yes, we just got to make it to the seventh year. We're going to make it. And so here's one of the provisions that God has made for those who experience the brokenness of poverty. That every seven years there would be a release. Okay, that's, all, that's, that's good news for those who are poor, right? There's a release of, of the debts. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so, so check this out. So there's the Sabbath year. God set that up. God also set up these laws called gleaning, the gleaning laws. Okay, so God instructed the Israelites that they were, they were agricultural culture, and so they have fields, they have crops, and so a lot of their, their wealth and their income and their, their, their increase was in terms of, like, crops, okay? You know, so they bring their, they bring their crops or their animals. And um, so, so God set this up where he says, with the gleanings, he says, When you reap your harvest in your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edges, nor shall you gather the gleanings after the harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, for I am the Lord your God. So check this out. God, in his care for the poor and his expectation of the Israelites to do the same, to care for the poor in the land. And, and by the way, the sojourner, that, that includes those who are outside of the Israelite community. Those who are uh, what we would call refugees, right? Or uh, just a foreigner coming through, right? So, so God says, don't, don't squeeze all the profit out of your land to its very edges where you get we use every last penny for for yourself and for whatever you got going on your own business your own profit your own income but leave the edges for the poor so that they can come and they can work it and they could get 
the food provided there themselves. Leave the edges for the poor. Isn't this cool? By the way, um, there, there's an example of this in the book of Ruth, where Ruth and Naomi had experienced poverty. And, 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 um, and, and there's this guy, this rich guy named Boaz, who, who was following these instructions, and they were provided for. We have this beautiful story of redemption and God just taking care of Naomi and Ruth under some very bitter difficult circumstances that came upon their life and there's this godly man boaz who's modeling the heart of what god is prescribing for his people here and provision is made and so i just want us to get this god cares for the poor there are so many scriptures that that have to do with um god's heart for the poor and the broken the fatherless and the widow Another way that God has set this up is the issue of the tithes. He told the Israelites to give a tenth of their income and that every three years it says you shall bring out of all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So we got the Sabbath year. Every seven years we got the gleanings. We got the, the tithe, um, um, what he's saying here, every three years to, to, uh, to just kind of open it up for the fatherless, the poor, for the widow. And then we have what we call the year of Jubilee in, in Leviticus 25. And this is really cool. So every, every 50 years there would be this... This returning of property back to the original clan of the Israelites. Craig Bloomberg says this about the, the jubilee that God set up. He says it's the, the ultimate revitalization of private property. On an average, each person or family had at least one chance in life to start afresh. No matter how irresponsibly they had handled their finances or how far into debt they had fallen. You see, God had made provision for his people to deal with this brokenness in this world that we call poverty. So God cares for the poor, and he expects his people to care for the poor. I think we all believe that. I think here we accept that. We believe that God cares for the poor and that he expects us to. When we see somebody who's experiencing poverty, we know deep down inside within us that, that we should do something. And not just hide our face and not just try to avoid that person, not just shut up our heart and shut our hand and not do anything at all. I think deep down inside we know there's something we must do, yet we struggle to know exactly what we should do. Yet we struggle to apply. I know I should do something, but how can I help this person? So I think it starts with us first having God's heart. And, and, and not hiding our face from the poor. So I'm going to just read a couple scriptures here about God's heart for the poor and, and, and how we relate to them. God takes it personal how we relate to them. Psalm 14.6, it says, you, you would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. God is a refuge for the poor. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and the needy from him who robs them. God's a defender of the poor and the needy. Okay? He takes up their case. 
He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. Uh, Proverbs 14, 20, or 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. God takes it personal. Okay? But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for what he has done. So we see, this is Old Testament here. Now, and some, some of us might be thinking, well, where, where's the New Testament stuff on this? Um, there is plenty of New Testament stuff on this. First of all, Jesus became poor and experienced living with, with little means in his life as a homeless guy. And he experienced that. And he ministered to the poor. He came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the broken hearted. And he loved hanging out with with the outcasts of his day. He loved uh, ministering with them, helping them. Uh, he told he told the ri- a rich young ruler, he said, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Um, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2, he said that he was eager to remember the poor. The other apostles were like, hey, we want to make sure you remember the poor. And he said, I'm eager to do so. The Apostle Paul was eager to remember the poor. Um, and see, the, the truth is, is that each one of us are poor and broken in, in some way. You know, it's so easy for us who maybe have more means than others to look down upon those who don't have as much or struggle to get by. But the truth is, we all come to God poor and needy and broken, and everything we have in life is a gift from God's hand. And as we talked about last week from Deuteronomy chapter 8, beware. Beware when it comes to our possessions and our wealth and how well off we're doing in life. Beware that you say that my hand and my might has got me this. So why don't you try it yourself and get up, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Beware lest you think like that. Lest, lest there be that haughty perspective, that, those, that haughty mindset that, it, that it's you who made you who you are. When, when, when everything we have in life is a gift from God's hand. So God cares for the poor. He expects his people to do so as well. So we must, in response, we must keep our hearts, our heart and our hands open to the poor. I love this. I love the connection that Deuteronomy makes between the heart and between the hand. You shall not harden your heart. The verse says, you shall not harden your heart or shut up your hand against the, your poor brother. But you shall open your hand and lend to him sufficient for his need. Now, I think this is important. This is important here. First of all, this, this text is not prescribing almsgiving or even charity and just, you know, just kind of giving, just give it out. That's not what this is saying. This is actually talking about lending, lending to a brother or a sister who's in need, but it all, within that context, it also says, don't let there be this unworthy thought in you. Like if it's the sixth year and the next year is the Sabbath year, and, and, and don't, let this, don't let there be this unworthy thought in you to think, well, if I lend to this brother right now, if, if he's still in need, and, and, and if he still owes me in the seventh year, then I'm not going to get my money back. Don't let that kind of thinking dominate your life. Keep your heart open and compassionate towards the poor. And keep your hand open to the poor as well. Jesus taught us in, uh, I believe, Luke chapter 6 to lend, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. 
that that should be our heart, that we should be a church that's so radical in giving that we have our hearts open and our hands open to give to the poor and the needy who are among us. Now, this is important here. It, it says, lend to him sufficient for his need. It doesn't say lend to him sufficient for everything that he wants. You know, not, not his greeds, his needs, okay? So there is some work to be done here. There's some discernment to be exercised when it comes to helping the poor because we can actually do more damage than good if we just give handouts and we don't discern the deeper need that a poor individual has. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to enable and, and, and just give handouts while... I think we should be generous and we should give freely and, and expect nothing in return. Uh, this verse tells us that we should lend, verse 8, <clears throat> lend him sufficient for his need. So there's work to be done here. It's easy for us to just throw money at a problem. You know, if somebody has a need, just, just give them some money. Let's, let's move on. I mean, if you have it, it's easy. <laughs> and you got, you got enough to pay your bills and stuff. It's somewhat easy, you know. We, we have to do the hard work to discern what's the deeper need here. And we're going we're gonna to look at that. We're going to look at some of the causes here and what the causes of poverty, some of the deeper needs. Matthew Henry, on this verse, he says, if, if the hand be shut, it is a sign that the heart is hardened. If the hand be shut, it's a sign that the heart is hardened. For if the clouds were full of rain, they would empty themselves. Bowels of compassion would produce liberal distributions. So we should keep our hearts open and our hands open to the poor. I think it was Elizabeth Elliot who said, I've learned to hold all things loosely so that when God asks me to give them up, it doesn't hurt as much. You know, if you're like holding on to your stuff, you know, it's kind of harder. Like, oh, you got to pry it open. Okay, God, you can have it. And this verse is telling the Israelites to not, to not give grudgingly. Yeah, verse 10, you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all the work that you undertake. So God, God loves a cheerful giver. That's, that's Paul's, Paul uses this when he's talking about giving. God loves it when his people are cheerful in, in giving and blessing others. Amen? Instead of, I mean, just uh, if you have kids and you're telling your kids to share the toys or share some food with them. You don't want, it's not acceptable for your child to just pout and stomp and then, here, take it. You know, to have a just grudging attitude when it comes to sharing with their brother or sister. As a parent, it delights you to see your son or daughter with happily share with his or her brother or sister. You love to see it. And you know what? That, that will help your children in the long run if they can get that. That will help them in life if they can live like that and not let their, their, their happiness be attached to stuff. Okay? Because life is more important than just the things that we have. Jesus taught us this. Jesus taught us to live like this. He told us to store up our treasures in heaven. And this is a very practical way that we can do so. If you want to send it up, give it out. Give it out here because you can't take it with you when you die. Uh, you've never seen a, uh, uh, a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, right? 
a hearse taking somebody to bury them uh, with the U-Haul trailer in the back because they're going to bring all their stuff with them in the grave, right? You don't see a hearse pull a U-Haul trailer. And so Jesus taught his disciples to live like this. Jesus had this, this way of living. And yet Jesus was able to deal with the deeper issue because poverty is, is bigger than, than just material lack in people's life. There are deeper issues. So we're going to look at some of those. Verse 11. Let me go back to verse 11. You shall open wide your hand and your heart to your needy brother. Verse 11. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. I just, just let that sink in for a second. There will... There will never cease to be poor in the land. Jesus said this in the, in the Gospels. You always have the poor with you, but I won't always be here with you. So there's a statement here that, that poverty will always be an issue. It will always be something that, that we're going to experience in this broken life that we're in. Although God made provision in, in um, an ideal situation for it to be eliminated and alleviated within the, the community of, of believers It's always going to be an issue. There's always going to be things that happen in life that that cause people to be in in broken, poor situations. So you'll always have the poor with you. And let me just say this. We can see this. When we see a, a poor person in need, we can see this as just an obligation that we feel guilted to do something about. And maybe even an irritation when we see a need. Or we can see this as an opportunity to express the love of God. We can see it as an opportunity to express the love of God. So, so we've all been there. So um, going to the store or driving somewhere, and, and there's somebody who's asking for, for money. And, and so we got a couple choices. You know, at that moment, we can uh, choose to not look at them. Okay, hide your face. Uh, hide, don't, don't make eye contact, Right. Because you don't want to feel bad or, you know, not give them something. Uh, we could just talk to them, you know, just talk to them. Hey, how are you doing? Just ask them how they're doing. Or we could just, you know, give them a 20, give them a five, give them. Or we could we could buy a bunch of snack bars and keep them in our glove box and have them ready. Or $5 gift cards to McDonald's and have them ready to give, right? And there's, there's, there's some other options there. And so... The, the reality that there will always be poor in the land is, is, is see it as an opportunity for you and I to display the love of Christ to them, okay? And, and I think we should do so not, not just in giving a handout, some food, or uh, if, if it's gas, or if it's paying a bill, or whatever the issue is, but, but to, to try to find out what the deeper issue is and try to help it help bring reconciliation there. We're going to look at some of those deeper issues there. So New Testament here, first of all, love displayed. 1 John three sixteen through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Okay? So this is very explicit here. This is very clear here that the love of God is displayed through the people of God by not closing our heart to them, not shutting our hand to them, but opening up and giving to very practical, basic needs. 
And I don't see any strings attached here. I don't even see any allusion to lending here. It's just, just give. You see a need, just give. And so um, our faith display, James says something very similar. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warm and filled, or a modern translation, God bless you. God bless you, brother. God bless you. And that's all, that's all it's said. That's all it's done. God bless you. Go warm, be filled. Shalom. Peace. Peace to you. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So opening our heart and opening our hand to the poor means that there's going to be some action taken on our part. So Old Testament and New Testament. Prescribe that, instruct that, teach us this is the way of Christ, to live like this. Jesus wasn't holding on to all his stuff, tight-fisted. He, he gave it all up, okay? So many, many folks who are experiencing poverty feel like, like a bug trapped in a web, in a spider web. Like a bug trapped in a spider web. And the more that they move and try to get out, the more entangled and more difficult it becomes for them. Many folks feel a strong sense of helplessness, voicelessness, uh, shame. They feel like they're suffocated. They're just held down. They just can't get a break in life. And so I think it's important for us, if we're going to be moved with compassion for people, I think we need to see some of the complexities of the issues that they're facing. Some of the things that they're feel, feeling. So there's a book called When Helping Hurts. Uh, and it, I think it handles this issue w- greatly. Uh, in that book, they, they, they talk about a um, research done. There, there was research and interviews done with, with poor people throughout the world. And many of the, the poor were asked to describe poverty. What does it look like for you? Many of them, many of their descriptions of poverty was uh, relational stuff, emotional stuff. Uh, feeling shame, feeling inferiority. People tend to describe their condition in terms of shame, inferiority, powerlessness, humiliation, fear, hopelessness, depression, social isolation, and voicelessness. Okay, so let's look at some of the some of the causes here. I'm going to start with probably one of the the most obvious causes of of poverty. Uh, I think many of us would agree to this. Uh, just straight up laziness. The Bible addresses that. Proverbs six uh, six six through eleven. Go to, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer ruler, she prepares bread in the summer and gathers food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? Will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. It's, it's kind of funny, actually, the way it describes a little sleep, a little slumber, and boom, we got you. The Proverbs 14, uh, 4, 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligence makes rich. Love not sleep, Proverbs 20, verse 13, love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Just wake up, wake up and work. Now, many of us, like, this is probably one of the first things we think of. Like, this is an issue. This and, and, and I think it can do damage and, and be, we think that this is the issue with everybody because it's a complex 
poverty is a complex issue. It's bigger than just just somebody won't work. Um, but the Bible has strong words for those who refuse to do so. So this is one of the causes. Uh, another one is just unwise decisions, hasty decisions that people make uh, with their finances, with life, with their job, the relationships, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Proverbs twenty one fifteen. Another issue is the issue of indulgence and addiction. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. So this is this is huge. This is something that we see throughout our city. Uh, many folks who who are experiencing poverty are there's there's an addiction connected to to that addiction or indulgence. So it it wouldn't be wise then if if you if somebody's uh, you know drunk or wasted or you know they're they're high, it wouldn't be wise then to just give them twenty bucks so they can go get more substance to to make them you know, more intoxicated, right? I think I think when it comes to helping people in those kind of situations, I think we bottom line we just need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Like try to discern their need, try to understand their situation and, and at least be willing to look at them and look at their situation and try to help them uh, talk to them, pray for them, invite them to church, you know, and so invite them to church Bible study. Uh, another issue is um, injustice. So injustice is a huge issue. So, so there's kind of two sides, kind of large streams of thought. One of them is, you know, that poverty is just people are being lazy and they need to work. They need to learn work, work ethics. And then the other side is uh, the, the issue of injustice and oppression. And this is a real issue. This is, this is huge. The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. So oppression uh, Leviticus 19.15 says that you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, uh, but in righteousness you shall, you shall judge your neighbor. So a judicial system weighted in, not in favor to the powerless. Um, so there's many broken systems out there that, that actually work against those who are poor and, and kind of help, help keep them down. And it's wrong. And it's something that God says, you know, it shouldn't be like that. The judicial systems should not be like that, where the, where the poor are kept poor, the rich get richer, and the poor are kept poor and get poor. Okay, it just it shouldn't be like that. And so this is a burden that the Old Testament prophets had. Okay, there were, there were two consistent burdens that they had. One of them was that their people... That the people of Israel were, were, were worshiping idols. They were giving themselves to idolatry, forsaking God. But the other one was this, this issue of social injustice. The issue of how they're treating the poor and the needy and the broken. And, and, and how uh, the, the, the people of God were comfortable and, and, and full and, 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 and not doing anything at all to help their poor brothers and sisters around them while they're just indulging themselves. So those are two burdens of the Old Testament prophets speaking to prophetically. They would speak to the unjust issues of the day. Uh, let's see. It was John the Baptist who did that when it came to the Roman soldiers and, um, you know, them or, or tax collectors taking too much. And another issue is loans with excessive interest. Uh, Exodus 22:25 through 27. Unjust low wages. Jeremiah 23, 
uh, 13. So these are other causes for poverty. And here's one that, that we don't think about as much. Natural disasters. So here's one that's kind of out of our box. Okay? Here's one, here's one that can happen to anybody. Even somebody who's wealthy and you got a lot of cushion. You got insurance. Your, your health is good. You got savings and you're ready for whatever comes your way or at least you think you are. And then, boom, life hits you, and you find yourself in a poor state financially. It can happen to anybody. Natural disasters. There was a famine in the land in Genesis 47. Ruth, so I think, I think Ruth is a, is a great example of, of what we're talking about here today. So Ruth, who was a Gentile and married a Jewish guy, her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, she had a mother-in-law, Naomi. Um, there was a famine in the land. Okay, so times got really hard. Naomi's husband died. Naomi's two sons died. So Ruth's husband and Orpha's husband died. And then they're, they're left out. We've got two widows to fend for themselves. And thankfully, God made provision for somebody who came upon circumstances like this in life. When life just hit them, where, where they experience what you might call bitter providence, a bitter, difficult lot in life where, like, where did that come from? Why did this happen? I was working hard. I was doing right. So, so there's, there are issues that are completely out of the box. So it's more, it's, poverty's more complex than just you're not working. You know, you're just lazy. This is an issue, natural disasters, and we see it. Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, floods, famine. We, we see these kinds of things happening to people. War-torn countries where everything people have is getting blown up and burnt. And they're coming here and to, to other, other countries as refugees looking for a new life. And the Bible tells us to be compassionate towards those uh, we have we have a large refugee community here in the Dallas area, Garland, Richardson, uh, Fort Worth. We have a large refugee community, and so uh, I would love for us to be strategic and thoughtful and creative in how we can serve that community, how we can be a blessing to those who found themselves in situations like this, where life just hits them. And and in the story of Ruth, it's a small book, and we're going to read it here in a, in a couple weeks in our Bible reading plan. We're going to come across Ruth, and as we do, we can look at how how God in His sovereignty provided and guided and brought Ruth and Naomi through some very bitter, difficult circumstances and provided for them through a Boaz, somebody who didn't shut their heart up to the poor, who didn't close their hand to the poor, that opened up his fields, and he ended up marrying Ruth, you know. It turns out to be this beautiful story that amidst difficult circumstances, there are these beautiful stories of redemption happening in people's lives as the people of God stay, they cling to God and trust God and look to God through those difficult times. He provides, he guides he brings them through. Okay, one other thing, too, I didn't put up there is just um, disability. Disability is an issue. Mental disability, physical disability. Uh, that, that's a big issue in our day as well. 
So in his book, um, When Helping Hurts, so they, 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 they said this, Poverty is a result of re- broken relationships that do not work. They are not just, they are not for life, they are not harmonious or enjoyable. Poverty is the absence of shalom in all its meaning. Poverty is rooted in broken relationships so that the solution to poverty is rooted in the power of Jesus' death and resurrection to put all things right again. So here's, here's some hope. Here's some resolve. Here's some solution here. The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' work to reconcile people to God, to one another. And so they describe poverty as, as an issue of broken relationships in this book. That the root cause, um, and again, there are, there are issues that are outside of our control, like natural disasters. There are things that happen outside of the box. But, but they would boil it down. So here's a root cause. Here's a root issue to focus on. If, you're, if we're going to help people get out of the broken state of poverty, we need to help them get reconciliation with God. The poverty of spiritual intimacy, denying God's existence and authority, materialism, worshiping false gods and spirits. This will this will destroy somebody's life, ruin somebody's life. Okay, lack of relationship with God, the rest lack bad bad relationship with the rest of creation, the the poverty of stewardship, loss of sense of purpose, laziness or workaholics, materialism. The ground is cursed. So Genesis three. There is brokenness in this world that we experience. And through Christ, we can rightfully relate to the creation that God has entrusted us with. He makes all things new. He restores. He reconciles. He redeems. The Bible says that we are ambassadors. We're ministers of reconciliation. And so one of the root causes of, of, of poverty is the... the the broken relationships, and we have a message that helps people get restored and reconciled to God in relationship. Isn't that awesome? Uh, poverty of community, self-centeredness, exploitation, and abuse of others. Poverty of of self of being. Uh, God complexes low self-esteem. So, so here's kind of a, a chart that explains and tries to to dig at the uh, a deeper issue when it comes to to poverty. And, and Jesus came to, to bring reconciliation, to bring restoration, to make all things new. The gospel provides hope for us. And so while we should, I think, give charity and give handouts and lend and keep our hearts open to the poor and our hands open to the poor and provide practical needs for people, give them food. Buy them some food. If they need some food, get them some food. If they need some clothes, buy them some clothes. If they need some shelter, get them some shelter. Do what you can do to help them. Yet, don't forget to share Christ with them, the gospel. See, that's, that's most important. That's, that's the bigger issue. Yet, there can be Christians who are in right relationship with God, who fall upon hard times, who come upon, upon hard times through natural disasters or uh, disability or, or whatever, and so our hearts should be compassionate towards them. So I think you guys got the message. There will always be poor in our land, and so let us see that not as an obligation to feel guilted to do something, but as an opportunity 
for us to show the love of Christ. Okay? Let us not hide our faces from the poor and the broken and the needy because it's because we have to get out of our comfort zone to help them. Let's be willing. Let be, if if we believe this this is true that poverty is rooted in broken relationships. Let's be willing to walk in relationship with people who are experiencing poverty and brokenness and addiction and are needy, very needy. Let's let's give to them, hoping. Not for nothing in return. Amen? And pray that God would give you compassion for the poor. Don't let your heart become callous. The, the more we see it, the more we're around it, it's, it's easy for us to just become callous and insensitive to people's struggles and hurts. And then let the brokenness that you see in, in others that they're experiencing... Uh, move you to act compassionately. Jesus saw the multitudes that they were like sheep without shepherd, a sheep without a shepherd. Um, and then don't hide your face from them. Be willing to look folks in the eyes and relate to them and open your heart to them and do life with them and, and share a meal with them and talk with them and ask them what's going on. Uh, the relational aspect is, is a deeper issue. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. And then engage. Engage in conversation with them. Speak to them about Christ. Pray for them. Ask them what they need. You know, for years at City Church Dallas, we, we have had people consistently, weekly coming in asking for, for help. Asking for assistance. Rental assistance. Uh, all kinds of assistance. Um, food, clothes, medical, medications. You know, some folks just wanted to get some beer. You know, I mean, there's all kinds. Of I appreciate the honesty, too, when somebody's asking. They're just straight up. I, I just want some beer. You know, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I, and so many times as pastors and staff at, at City Church Dallas, we've had to do the hard work of trying to discern the need and, and really help a person at the root issue uh, and not just, you know, shut the door, shut our hands, shut, close our hearts towards them, or become callous and numb to them, because they're always there. There's always somebody in need, and it can be a, it can feel like it's a black hole, and we can just throw resources at it and not be effective. But I think one of the biggest ways we can help is walk with people relationally. Share the gospel with them. Share the love of Christ. And if there's pressing practical needs... Open your hand, open your heart to them. God, God sees that and see it, see it as an offering to God. Whether whether they take it and squander it, you know, you just sometimes you have to take risk. You know, there's been times where I've said to folks, as I'm giving them money, and I I usually I don't just give money out all the time. I try to if they're asking for food, I'll try to give them some food or gas or whatever clothes. Uh, sometimes I'll, when giving them money, I'll, I'll say, if you spend this on drugs or alcohol, may the Lord give you diarrhea. You know, you know, just stuff like that. Just, just to kind of put a holy fear in them, like this is God's money. Don't go wasting this on something that's not good for you. And and, may, and, and sometimes it's good to just talk to folks about that. Are you going to spend this on alcohol, drugs, cigarettes? Because I don't want to give to that. I'll buy you a hamburger. I'll get you some shoes if you need some shoes, but I'm not going to get you a beer to get you drunk again. We have 
hope to give people in those broken circumstances. And it's my desire that we be a church that has a heart open, our hands open, that when people come in here with broken circumstances, that they feel loved on, that they feel cared for, that they feel like this is a spiritual hospital where they just get loved on and nurtured and cared for. But they don't get we don't we don't get run over. Right. We don't we're not a doormat for folks. We're, we're you know, nurses have to be firm sometimes. Right. We got we got one nurse in here, two nurses in here. Sometimes you got to be firm and be like, uh, right. You got you got to stand up, you know, and, and you don't you don't give the patient what you know is going to going to hurt them. Right. Respond today and just praying that God would soften our heart towards the poor. That God would give us uh, a heart of compassion and give us wisdom and guidance in how we can effectively minister to them, to do something. There's lots of opportunities to do so here in Dallas, Texas, to minister to the poor. The poor will always be in the land. Okay? Therefore, you shall open your heart, open your hand to them. Amen? God, you care for those who are suffering, who are struggling, who are broken, who are needy. Lord, I pray that you would soften our heart and give us compassion for them, that we would be moved with compassion, that we would be moved to action, to serve, to love, and just practically display the love of Christ in the lives of those who are poor and needy. And help us to do so not with a sense of superiority, like we're better, because we are so broken too, and we come with our brokenness and our failures as well. And we need you. And we recognize our need for you. May we see the issue as an opportunity to love. An opportunity to, to open our hands and not let our stuff have us. To not let our identity and happiness be so attached to the things that we have and the the financial security or comfort that we have, but that we would see the provisions you've given us as an opportunity to glorify you and to love people and help people. May we be about that here, to know you, Jesus, love people, and impact the world.